At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. This is guest, the 2019 U.S. Open champion, Gary Woodland, um, one of the longest hitters in the game. Uh, Gary's a friend. I've, I've worked with him before. Played, uh, been in a ton of practice rounds with him. He works with my dad. Um, he's one of my favorite people on tour. So really, really, really excited to to talk to Gary. And um, he's got a unique story. And I, I think people are going to be surprised um, by um, the way he thinks and the way he thinks about golf. Um, he's just kind of thought of as a guy that hits golf ball a long way. But I can promise you there's a lot more to him. But before we get to that, this episode is being brought to you by Cobra Puma Golf. Um, if you've listened to the pod, you know that um, I'm a huge fan of the Cobra Puma brand. I've been with them for a number of years now. I'm excited that they are not only back as a partner of the pod, but also teaming up with me to bring uh, some of their ambassadors on as guests. And we're starting with Gary Woodland. Um, you'll hear us talk about um, the relationship and you know his kind of philosophy behind um, his equipment. I uh, made a big change to move to Cobra this year. They have three new drivers out, the Cobra Aerojet. Um, I put it in the bag. Um, I love it. I think it performs really well. There's three models. There's the Aerojet, which is the low spin high launch, the Aerojet LS, which is the low spin and low launch, and then the most forgiving driver in the line, the Aerojet Max. That's going to kind of give you a, a blend of everything and give you a lot of forgiveness. Everybody that I teach is always asking to try and get hit the ball further. They want to hit it further. They want more speed. They want more power. And that's something the Aerojet driver delivers. And a few of the new features behind that are the PWR bridge weighting. What is that? Well, they've positioned the weight forward and they fully suspended this PWR bridge weight design right in the front. And it allows for more flexibility in the face and the sole. And that's going to give you faster ball speeds. 
They've got advanced aerodynamics. Um, everybody's trying to move the golf club faster and, and the way the golf club is designed um, has a huge, huge part of that. And, and I think that's where Cobra is really kind of at the forefront in their aerodynamics um, because everybody's trying to get faster club head speeds and everybody wants to hit the golf ball further. And then the PowerShell hot face, that's going to help the face and the golf ball across wherever you hit it. Um, if you hit it off the toe, if you hit it in the middle, if you hit it off the heel, they've done a great job with the new PowerShell to to have the miss hits go further. And that's what everybody's trying to do with their driver. Um, if you miss it, you want the miss to stay in play and you want the miss to still go a long way. You can learn more and check out the Aerojet drivers at CobraGolf.com. Pre-orders are open today and all three drivers are available for purchase on February 10th. So huge, huge thanks to the Cobra Puma team. Um, they're great partners and um, check out the new drivers. I think everyone is going to be excited about them. And so let's get to the interview with Gary Woodland. G-Dub, your 15th year on the PGA Tour. I mean, that that's just crazy, isn't it? it well, I feel it. I feel, I feel like I've been up there for 100, so... Um, it is crazy to think back when I mean when I came out, you know, you're looking up to these other guys, like man, these guys have been out here a long time, and now it's like I am that old guy. I'm the guy that's been out here a long time. So um, it's cool though, you know, I've learned a lot, but it's uh, it's been a good ride for sure. So anytime uh, you start a new year, I mean, you have no idea what's going to happen. You made the uh, the choice. Um, a lot of guys do this. Uh, equipment change this year, uh, switching from Wilson to Cobra. Um, obviously, there's a lot that goes into that for everyone listening. I think sometimes everybody just thinks, oh, it's a money play. You know, I'm just going to take the money. I'm going to cash out and, and make a change. But we've seen that work um, in reverse sometimes. And I know for most of the players, there's a lot more into it than than just the money grab aspect of it that a lot of people think. What was the decision and what was behind the decision to make this change um, to Cobra? Yeah, I've, I've done the money grab before. Like I said, I've been out here 15 years. I've, I've done that a couple times probably throughout my career. And um, I, I was very happy with Wilson. The, the, the people there um, were amazing. Obviously, I have great relationships with them. And I never thought I'd leave. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I, I had flexibility with my woods in the past. I started playing some Cobra Woods at the end of the year and I fell in love with them. And I obviously have a relationship with Puma who owns Cobra. I've been with Puma, you know, really since 2018. Um, so I have a close relationship with them as well. And it, it kind of just went off from there. Ben, who's the tour rep, who I think is absolutely amazing. I trust him to death. Um, he's helped me in the past, even when it wasn't Cobra stuff, he's helped me with my stuff. So I, I trust him and I have a lot of respect and, that's just where it started to grow. And then I started, you know, I hit in the irons. I tested the wedges. I tested the putter. I've tested it all. And it, it just, it just felt right. Um, it, the woods, like I said, you know, I led driving distance last week. I didn't play well, but I led driving distance. That's the first time I've done that in a long time. Um, so the stuff is just really, really good. And it's something that I feel like will allow me to get back to where I want to be and play the way I want to play. You mentioned Ben Showman. He builds all the clubs for, um, for Cobra. That relationship that that you guys have on the PGA Tour, I mean, the the guys that build your equipment, I mean, it's a it's 
they are the pit crew of of your Formula One race car, right? I mean, you have to have a great relationship with them. Um, you also, Gita, for as long as you hit it, you're you've got very very interesting launch conditions. Um, you hit down on your driver way more than the majority of the guys out there. Somebody like a Rory McIlroy, I mean, you couldn't be any further away from the launch conditions that Rory has, where Rory's hitting up on it, he's launching it high. You've always tended to have a lot of that hit down on it. Um, the process to get you in a driver, um, talk to me about that whole, from the beginning to the end, what is that process? I think that everybody listening will be fascinated to hear what goes into that. Um, it's a lot of trial and error and that's where i think that trust between the guys building your clubs and making it really does come into play there's no doubt about that that's that's a good point and and you throw on top of that is i i know hardly anything about golf clubs so that, that doesn't help you know you talk about like guys like ricky fowler who i think know more than anyone i think he is very knowledgeable about his equipment and i think that's one great thing about cobras you got ricky in there helping with stuff i think jason duffner's very knowledgeable about stuff. And then you got Bryson on top of that, who is obviously very knowledgeable about equipment and, and everything he talks about. But you throw that in there, Ben has a lot to deal with and you, you throw the R&D team in there. Um, so you fast forward back to me, I like stuff really heavy too. So that limits a lot of the stuff that I can test. I, I, I have a lot of lag. I have a lot of downcock. I like that heavy club so I can feel it at the top. I want to be able to feel that in my transition. So that eliminates a lot of shafts that I can test. Um, ben obviously has been around a long time. He's dealt with these guys who have a lot of questions. I've kind of been the guy that they just throw stuff in front of me and I swing and hit it um, and hope it works out. Ben's helped me kind of understand what I'm trying to do. I'm, so now I'm, now I'm starting to ask some questions. Hey, what about this shaft? What do you think about if we tip this a little more, a little less? Because it is nice to send it, right? I like, we all like to send it. But for me, I like to have that little fairway finder. I like to tee it down really low and just kind of get out the very similar, you know, Tiger used to do back in the day. DJ does it now. Phenomenal. Tee it down low, get that golf ball and play and let the rest of my game take over. I need two conditions really for a driver. I need one that I can send high and I need it to tee low. So th that's where you start messing with tipping in the shaft, um, changing the loft. The one great thing about the Aerojet driver with Cobra is I'm able to go up in loft, which I, I'm usually a very low loft driver. I'm usually around six and a half, seven degrees. I'm up over eight degrees of loft right now. That only helps me with dispersion with my misses. So it's been, I've learned a lot more in the last couple of months than I have in a long time about golf clubs, but it has been a process. I did change shafts last week um, to a lighter shaft that I haven't played in a long time, but we were working with tipping. We've tried different stuff. Um, and I credit Ben for that. And obviously you got TrackMan and all these other technology quads and all this stuff out there that help, but it is trial and error. And then you get it on the range, you got to get it on the golf course. And once you get it on the golf course, you got to put it in competition. So it is a process, but I feel like we're getting towards the end of that and everything's getting dialed in where we want it, which is nice. I think one of the big differences, Gita, between what you guys do on the tour level and what the average golfer, I consider everybody that's not on the PGA Tour playing competitive, <laughs> an average golfer. So there's you guys and then there's the rest of us. I think the average golfer goes into fittings and they're, they're looking to try and improve their good shots. Whereas all the fitting that you guys do specifically on tour, G-Dub, with the driver, um, it's about fitting for the miss. It's about giving you a golf club that you can keep on the golf course 
and the miss. And that's one of the things that, uh, that we always go through, right? Well, you say when you're watching you guys hit balls and you're getting fit or when you're working in your swing, you'll, you'll hear you guys or, or someone like me or the fitter say, hey, if that's the miss, then, then we're going to be in a pretty good place. There's no doubt about that. And you look at you look at my game, how I transitioned. When I came out on tour 15 years ago, I was one, if not the longest guy out there at the time. You fast forward now, at that time, I hit it a long way. I had no idea where it was going, but I hit it a mile. I had to learn. Everybody now wants to see me hit stingers. That's all they want to see. Hit the stinger, hit the stinger, put the driver away, hit the stinger. Well, I had that. I had to learn that shot so I could get the golf ball in play. That's And that's where you're talking about the misses. Even when the driver was all over the place, I had to have something to get the golf ball in play, and that's where that stinger came about. So the misses is a huge part of it. I'm a usually typically a higher spin guy than a lot of guys with the driver because if I want that ball to land in the fairway, I don't want it bouncing. I want it to stay in the fairway. Um, so typically I like a little, little higher spin, which keeps that dispersion a little tighter as well. You mentioned uh, Dustin Johnson. You play a lot with DJ. He's one of your boys. I mean, the difference is you said about the weight of your golf clubs because of the way that you swing. Um, you pick up your driver versus DJ's driver. And, and I mean, yours feels like a sledgehammer compared to what people would think his driver would feel like. It's 6'4", long arms, long legs with the same type of speed that that he has and you have. Um, the shaft is a huge part of when you're switching golf clubs, getting that shaft to match what the head is doing. And when you find that combo, um, the optimal, I mean, give, give us an example. What do you want to see the driver spinning at? What do you want to see it launching at? Um, the work that you and Ben do um, with the Cobra team, what do you want those numbers kind of the sweet spot for you right now? Yeah, I'm 25 to 2600 with spin, which I think is high. Um, and I like it launching over 10. I, I used to launch it a lot lower than that. The Cobra driver has allowed me to launch it a little higher at that spin. It usually took me launching it around nine to get the lower, uh, to get the spin down to where I wanted it. So I'm launching a little over 10. Um, I can get it to 11 sometimes. And that spins 25, 2600. And you talk about DJ. I mean, DJ and I play a lot of golf together. It, I can't hit his driver and he can't hit mine. And that's the funny thing is our ball flights. We both like to play cuts. We both hit similar shots, but it's just the way we go about it. It's completely different. And I, I mean, to me, I, everybody talks about people driving the golf ball. I think he's one of the best that's ever done it. it. It is fascinating to watch him hit driver on holes that, you know, maybe don't set up for it. And he just has the confidence to, to hit that little butter cut out there. And it's, it's super impressive. You know, it's interesting that I don't think everyone listening realizes that you can pick up DJ's driver and can't hit it and he can pick up your driver and can't hit it. I don't think everyone listening realizes how specific and different the equipment is for, for you guys. Um, you mentioned that that 24, kind of 2,500, 2,600. I mean, just for everyone listening, you know, DJ, his sweet spot is anywhere between 2,000 to 2,400 with the spin. If he starts spinning it in the range that you're trying to spin it now, he's going to hit it all over the planet. Um, Confidence-wise, G-Dub, when you put a new driver in, when you put new equipment in, is it hard on the golf course if you go out, like you said last week, you drove it, you led in driving distance, and you didn't play good? I mean, there's always that tendency, I think, when any golfer puts new equipment in their bag. it's, it's How hard is it not to just go, okay, well, it's the equipment, it's not me? Because that's an easy one, right? Because in your brain, you're like, okay, I didn't, I'm, I'm making some changes. I'm not shooting the scores I want. It's got to be the equipment. There's you no guys doubt. are all the same. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. never, it's, never, it's never you guys. It's never, I mean, it's got to be the equipment, the caddy. I mean, it's got to be something. But 
you know, for me with the equipment is I'm pretty comfortable from the standpoint, I put the driver in play before, before I had signed with Cobra. So I I've been playing the driver for a couple of months now. I'm very confident with it. And for me, when it comes to driving last week, I did not play well, like we talked about, but I was eighth in driving first in distance for me to play well. And for me to be successful, I have to drive the golf ball. Well, and that's where I've struggled the last couple of years. I have not driven the golf ball like I want to. So that was a huge step for me. That's a huge confidence boost for me going forward. I have some other things, obviously I need to tighten up, but the driving for me, if I can drive the golf ball like that, I'm going to get and play the way I want to be and get to where I want to be. So um, that was a, that was a positive from last week from a, from a not playing well week. At bed three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets. When you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 2023 GW, are you a goals guy? Do you, do you have goals in your head? Do you write goals down? I remember Brooks telling me he would always kind of go to the beach at the end of of a year or at the beginning of the year and just go down by himself one morning and take a notebook or a piece of paper and he'd write down his goals. I mean, JT, um, Justin Thomas has been great, I think, on social media, putting out like the notes that he has in his phones of what his goals are. Are you one of those type of players or do you just kind of just say, hey, you know, I'm just going to try and, you know, see what happens this year? I'm a very visual person. So I do have goals. I do have them written down and I do look at them. I have them in my bathroom mirror. So I see them on a daily basis. And for me, that's just a reminder, right? That puts things in perspective, especially weeks last, like, like last week when I don't play well. You're frustrated. You get mad. You get home. I look at the mirror and I see, okay, this is what I have to do to be successful. I have the goals. I have the process to achieve those goals. Now let's, let's reset. Let's find the positives from last week. We'll take the driving. That was a positive. And let's move on and let's go get better for next week. It's hard sometimes. If I don't have goals and I start playing bad like I did last week, I can start dwelling on that. And then it festers into not playing well two, three weeks in a row. And then it turns into a bad year. So I'm a very goal oriented, very visual person. I need to see them. I have them on my phone as well that I can scroll through if I, if I don't have it up on my mirror when I'm traveling. Um, but yes, I need to see those on a, on a daily basis. Uh, any, uh, any sharing on what 
any of the goals are. You don't have to give us the big ones, but give us give us a not a. I, I think goals and and the reason why I say that. Gito, but I think goals are really, really specific to players. And I think, you know, I've asked, I've, I've known Brooks for over a decade now, and I've asked him sometimes what his goals are. He'll tell me some of the other ones, but he said to me before, hey, my goals are kind of, you know, they're sacred to me, but are there any like ones that you'd be willing to share with us from a game standpoint? You know, things that you want to try and achieve. Are you looking at where you are in strokes gained putting? Um, are you looking at greens and regulation? What are some of the things that you're looking in 2023 to try and change? Yeah, I mean, I obviously have goals from a personal standpoint and how I want to operate my team and whatever in my life and personal. But from a golf standpoint and performance standpoint, I mean, obviously, Tour Championship, obviously, Ryder Cup, et cetera, stuff like that. I'm not huge on performance side because I think if I play well and take care of myself, all that stuff takes care of itself. But for me, I know to be successful. I've sat down. I have people that I work with from a stat side, I know for me to be successful, 64% of fairways, 60% with a driver. I know that's, I'm going to be successful. I know if I can gain strokes from four to eight feet putting, I'm going to be successful. So it's little things like that. I have throughout the bag. I have iron play. I have wedge play. I have short game. I have the putting from four to eight feet and the driving's a big one for me. If I can hit 64% of my fairways, that's going to be a big deal. If I can hit 60% with a driver, I'm going to be very, very successful. So um, it's similar to that. There's obviously a lot that goes into it. And then through each goal, I have a process. How do I achieve that? How do I do that in practice? How do I, how do I get better at that? Um, and then obviously that's a process. I sit down with my coaches. Um, we go over it. They have to hold me accountable as well. Um, so it is a, it is a big process, but I feel like each year it changes each year, something different. Um, but this year it's a lot focused on driving and, and putting from four to eight feet. You mentioned your coaches, two of which have been on the podcast before. We'll start with Phil Kenyon. Um, I think I've had Phil on the podcast before. I think Phil, um, I think he's as good as there is when it comes to putting. I, I like his approach. What have you done with Phil and how has he helped you? How has he maybe changed your approach? And, and what is the work that you've done um, and what is the work you are doing with your putting to try and, and, and help you achieve those goals that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, Phil and I started in 2018. Um, I, we were playing Carnoustie, British Open. It was Saturday round. I hit, I don't know, 16, 17 greens. I shot over par. Like, I, I hit it unbelievable. And I was losing my mind. Steinberg is my agent. He was there when I was scoring. He's like, you got to sit right here. You got to work with Phil Kenyon. I'm like, I don't even, I didn't even know Phil. I mean, I knew who he was, but I don't know him. And I'm like, he tells a funny story because Steiny calls him and he answers the phone and Steiny never calls Phil, right? He never reaches out. And he thought he was going to get fired because he works with Justin Rose as well. He thought Steiny was that, calling him to fire. I can 100% guarantee you <laughs> that when, when, when Phil Kenyon's looking at his phone and it says Mark Steinberg coming up, he's thinking, I'm about to get rinsed from Justin Rose. I know it. I know it. And he answers it and, you know, and he's like, I need you on the putting green right now. And so he comes over there and he's like, I need you to work with Gary. And it's like, Okay, you know, it's Saturday of a major championship, too. I mean, and not only that, he's working with Francesco, who's leading. I mean, it's there's obviously a lot that goes into that story. But the one thing that he did with me is he'd had the benefit. I'd worked with Pete Cowan. I'd worked with – he obviously had talked to Steiny. He had talked to my caddy, Butchie, who he knew. And they told him not to give me too much information. And I think that was a huge start. And, you know, we've worked together. You, you know, I just don't do well if I have too much. And Phil Kenyon – he knows more than anyone, I think, when it comes to putting. So he has all that knowledge. So he started with me so slow. And 
we started bit by bit changing little things at a time. We'd do something for a couple of weeks. We'd come back and work on something new. And it was a relationship that was, was different because I didn't know him, like I said, when I went in. And, you know, like before you and I, before your dad, whoever, I've known these guys before I started working with them. I didn't know Phil. And I just kind of thought he was, was a golf dork or whatever you want to say. And we're on, fast forward the next year, Augusta, we're on the putting green on Tuesday. And I, I, I didn't feel good with my putting. And I, I can get pretty quiet and I can get pretty defensive and pretty angry sometimes. No, I, no, <laughs> GW, you're not like that at all. You're so and easy I to be around, so, man. It's always, <laughs> it's when I, when I get in that mood, I'm in that mood. And I was in that mood on Tuesday and it was, I was frustrated. And I said something about, yeah, I don't know what I said. And he started, he started mother effing me on the putting green. And, and this is at Augusta. It was on Tuesday. And I sit there and I'm like, since that day, since that conversation, my relationship with him has completely changed. Now I love the guy to death. I respect the heck out of him, but I needed him to put me in my place. And he did that. And, you know, fast forward two months later, I win the U S open. I, I finished, I don't know what I finished at Augusta. I finished top 10 at the PGA the next month. And then I win the month after that, it changed everything with me and him. And, uh, he's one of my, my closest friends now I respect the heck out of him. I talk to him on a daily basis just about putting and even like weeks when I don't putt well it's he takes it personally you know like we had a long talk yesterday because I putted it horrendous last week and I I love that about him um he's he's fully invested we've done a lot we've changed the way I read greens we've changed the way the my stroke completely the way I set up the grip um but it's been a process it's been four years five years in the making um and uh yeah I love the guy to death you mentioned um, your other coach, uh, my dad, Butch Harmon. I mean, you've gone, you've gone back and forth with Butchie or back in with Butchie. Um, I'm always fascinated because obviously I, you and I both know I have, a, I have a very different relationship with my dad than the tour players have. Um, he says nice <laughs> things to you guys and pats you on the backs and tells you guys how great you are, which is the opposite of, of my relationship with him for a long time. Um, what is it? I mean, I think I know, I have my opinion, but the guys that work with my dad, that, that, that he plays such a big role in their lives, what do you think makes my dad, Butch Harmon, such a great coach? I, I, first of all, I think I'm starting to get more like family because I haven't played great and he's starting to get after me a little bit more. The, <laughs> the compliments are starting to dwindle a little bit. My, I missed the cut. I don't know where it was a couple of months ago. And Butch, my caddy, and I fly out there and we land your dad's standing on the range and we're getting out of the rental car. And he goes, Oh, good. We got one good golfer here and Gary here. So I'm starting to get the, the needling starting to come back. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's a, a million good coaches out there and teachers in the world, but there's just something different about your dad, man. He, he has a way of one, making you feel good and making you feel right at the right time. And he can obviously needle me like, you know, when I get out of the car or whatever, but we'll start getting in and, and doing our work. And when you leave there, no matter how you're playing or how you're hitting, he makes you feel like you're the best player in the world. And I've told this story before when I was working with him, I don't know how long ago it was DJ was on the range, Ricky, and then me. So it, this was a while ago and I'm sitting there hitting balls. We're getting ready before a round and I hear him talking to DJ and, you know, he's just pumping DJ up before he goes and plays and, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm getting kind of mad because he's, you know, he's, it's a competitor. Right. And then he comes down to Ricky and he, he's Ricky's he's telling Ricky how good he is. And now I'm over here and I'm just fuming hitting golf balls. 
And he comes and talks to me last. And all of a sudden I get done. I'm like, God, I'm the best golfer in the world. Like he just <laughs> has that knack to say the right things at the right time. And, you know, I've talked to T-Dub and people about him and it's like, there's nobody that says the right thing and gets you prepared in the right thing. Whether, whether you go work with him or not, he just knows how to do that. He's just been around the game a million a million years and he's been around a million, million players, but he just has that. He keeps it simple for me. I, I say him and I get along so well because neither one of us are very smart and we, we speak the same language. Um, he keeps it simple for me. And, you know, he loves to, to needle, which is uh, I enjoy that part of it, to, the bullshit part of it. So um, I'd say he's a friend. He's a psychologist. He's a swing coach. He's he's everything in between. Um, but he's uh, he's been a huge factor and definitely the reason where I am where I am today. I think, I mean, obviously for, for people that know my dad or don't know my dad, he has a very big persona, right? I mean, he is a, yeah. he, he is in a, an immensely confident, um, borderline at times can be, you know, arrogant, which I think is one of the reasons why he's been successful, he's but, so um, no and he can be really brash, um, the language he uses. But what I always find very interesting with people like yourself that end up working with him and then he becomes a part of their life is I don't think people are prepared for how much he cares about his players. Um, and I, I, I honestly, it, it, and, and it's, it's been one of the things over the course of my life, Gary, that's been tough for me because, you know, you and I have been friends a long time. We've worked together. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have not had at times a great relationship with my dad. It's been tough. We're in a great place now and, and I love the guy to death, but it's been hard for me to watch him at times you know, pump you guys up and be and know everything about your lives and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do think people are, are are surprised at how much he does care, how men, how how he knows what you're doing. He watches every shot, he watches every stat, and I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that level of, I guess, intimacy because you don't think you're yeah. going to get that from him. There's no doubt, and for 79 years old that he is right now. He's as invested now as he was when we started at, in the beginning of 2012. Um, you know, we've been on and off a couple times, but I always come back. You know, you, you always think the grass is greener on the other side. He just has a way for me. I think I, and I honestly think it's more from a, a psychological standpoint than it is a physical standpoint. Obviously, there's a million great teachers in the world, but he throws in just a psychological standpoint that makes you feel like you're great. Um, you look at Ricky coming back recently and, and how well Ricky's been hitting it. That's a lot of, a lot of psychological work comes from that. There's just a confidence boost knowing maybe it's the guys that he's worked with and the guys that have won major championships. Maybe that's the confidence boost. I don't know what it is, but I tell you what, when I started in 2012, there's nothing I wanted more than to put a flag on that wall as a major champion. And I, I've been able to do that. And that was, I, I, that was one of the most important things to me because I've been in there. I've hit a million golf balls. I, when we started, I was spending 50 nights a year in Vegas for years and it, hitting balls in that bay there and just seeing all these guys that have won. And he likes to throw that needle out there too and talk about all that stuff. And um, that's just something now that, you know, that will be up there and can't go down. So, um, I, yeah, I love him to death. He is hard. There, there are times, you know, he – when I missed – He'd love to help you out. I mean, he'd love to help you out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I walked in last time. I missed a cut in Sony Open a couple of weeks ago, and I flew straight to Vegas. And, you know, we go have lunch. We sit down for lunch, and 
we've, you know, like I said, we've been there. I've been there since 2012. We ordered the same thing. Both, I don't even know if we, either one of us have to order. They, they know our order when we sit down. And he's like, what the hell happened last week? You know, and he's, you know, he starts going in. He's like, that's not what I was expecting. I'm like, well, I wasn't expecting it either. We got to figure this shit out. Um, but, and then he, you know, like I said, then I go to here and golf, golf balls and I, he has me believe and I'm the best ball striker on tour again. So it's, it's a knack. It's hard. You know, I've been around a lot of great coaches from in other sports that have that same knack. I've heard, I've heard Bill Self rip these players down to making them feel like they're the worst player in the world. And then 10 minutes later, they think they're the best basketball player in the world. And that's just what the greats have. And, and that's what your dad has. Um, in an era where we are um, trying to have people think of golfers as athletes, I think they are and stuff, but you are actually – uh, unlike a lot of guys that played the PGA Tour, you were actually a real athlete. You played competitive collegiate basketball. Um, what do you love about basketball and how is basketball G-Dub different from golf? Because obviously they're both sports. They're both competitive. There's a number of similarities. But what do you think are the big differences between basketball and golf? You know, obviously, you, you talk about the team aspect. Um well, on the PJ Tour part, we don't have the team aspect. Um, that, that's a big deal. I still, hey, hey, bro, hey, bro, we, we've got it. They've got it at live. You can still come. I, I miss the locker room part of basketball. The big difference from between me and basketball and golf is basketball, there was nothing like a game. I absolutely loved the games. I hated practice. And you fast forward to golf, I love to practice. Um, I love to be out there. And I think that's probably ultimately besides being six feet and slow and all that, that's why I've ended up being more successful in golf is I love to practice. I love the competition, the game part of basketball. There's nothing like the lights, um, the bus rides with the guys needling all that stuff. That's, that was amazing. You can never take that away, but I learned a lot in basketball that I can transition to golf from the standpoint. If I wasn't shooting it well, well, first of all, I was going to continue to shoot, but I, there were things I could do in basketball to be successful. I could, I could play defense. I could facilitate the basketball. I could do other things. And that's what I had to transition to golf. If I'm not driving the golf ball well, I have to find other aspects of my game. I have to bunt it down the fairway and use the other aspects of my game to be successful to get it to the next day. Um, instead of just keep pounding driver, pounding driver and getting at a player, whatever it is, whatever aspect of my game, I have to learn to be successful in other aspects um, and not just rely on one thing. And, and I learned that through basketball. I learned my work ethic, um, being around these older guys and, and watching how they work, how they take care of their bodies and treat their bodies. And when I, when I went to Washburn, I was, I was the only kid under, under 21 at the time, you know, they're all in ice pass and all this stuff. And I'm, I get done with practice. I'm 17, 18 years old. And I, I'm like, you guys, you guys are losers. What are you doing? You know? And now, now I'm the one in the ice bath every day doing all my stuff. Um, but it was, it, it was something I'll never take back. I'll never change that. I'm so glad I went and played basketball that one year in college because I learned so much from being around older guys, being around that team aspect. Um, there's, there's just nothing like it. So uh, I, I'm glad I did it, but uh, I've made the right choice in transitioning over to golf for sure. You mentioned um, you love to play basketball games. You didn't like to practice. You like to practice golf. Um, do you think sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard for golfers to remember that golf is a game, that there is an art to playing golf because I see so many players that are looking for me to help them with their golf, to try and get them to whatever next level that is, whether it's 
high school, college, the the tours, whatever. Um, do you think sometimes golfers get trapped into technique, 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 and you forget? Because obviously, I thought it was really interesting what you said in basketball. If you're not shooting good, you're going to keep shooting. That's the opposite of what everybody does in golf. They're not playing good. They just want to get off the golf course and get to the range. Whereas when you're playing other competitive, maybe team sports, you can't do that. You don't get to call timeout and go practice. You have to keep playing. Talk to me, Gary, about the difference in how you manage the transition from technique and what you're doing on the driving range and then the actual playing of the game of golf. There's no doubt that technique gets to, to be too big. I was playing with Roy McIlroy at CJ Cup uh, the week. I guess he won that week. Um, well, I guess he's been winning every week right now. But we we're playing a practice round, and we were just talking about our our past year or so. And and he said to me, and it's something that really hit home with me, is he's like, I was so focused on my technique. At some point, he's like, I just said, screw it, I'm just going to see and go, and it becomes reactive. And that's what sometimes when you're shooting a basketball, sometimes I'm not worried about this and this and this. I'm just seeing it and going. And, you know, when you, like you said, you get off in golf and you, you play bad, you go to the range and you're sitting there hitting golf balls for, for three hours after the round because you're so, so mad and so frustrated. I don't know if you're getting a lot out of that a lot of times. And for me, I, I've been out here 15 years. I've played golf my whole life. At some point, it has to be reactive. I hit it in the trees. I'm not over there thinking technique. I'm thinking about how I'm going to hook this thing 40 yards back into the fairway. And it's an easy shot for me. And then I'm in the middle of the fairway and I'm thinking about this and this and this. And then all of a sudden, at, you know, you start playing bad and then you, you're thinking about more technique. Ro, Ro, you talk about being simple. I mean, that's seeing and going is very simple. That's, that's one thing about having the right people around you, I think. That's why I miss your dad traveling because your dad is so simple. Sometimes when I'm out there by myself, I start getting into too, tech, too much technique and, um, and, that, and I don't do well that way. You know, like I said earlier in the, when we were talking, I, I don't do well with a lot. I'm a very, I'm a very simple person. I like to keep it simple. And I have struggled in the past, especially the last couple of years of getting too technical with stuff. So there is a lot to that. I think the technique takes, you know, you have so much technology today, so many stats and everything out there. It's easy to get caught up in that instead of just going and putting the peg in the ground and putting the ball in the air and let's go play and see how, how quick we can get it in the hole. You mentioned your win, um, your first major championship at, at Pebble Beach in 2019. I don't believe GW can win majors unless you can get out of the technique space. Because as you know, back nine on Sunday in a major championship, it doesn't really matter what you've done previously. The shots are the shots, the situations are the situations, and there really isn't anything I don't think that can prepare you for that. Because is, did, was it different? On Sunday um, at Pebble Beach in 19, when, when you won your first major champs, was, it, was that experience different than you had envisioned what it would be in your brain? Because everybody has that thing, right? You're, you're a professional golfer. Hey, I'm going to make this putt to win a major. I'm going to make this putt to win the Masters. I'm going to put myself in this position. How different was what you thought it was going to be coming down the stretch to try and win your first major championship versus what it actually was? Yeah, you know, that was there was something different that week. I don't know. You, you asked my caddy talks about all the time. He's like, I've just, he's never seen me that calm. And I, I was playing extremely well going in and the two things happened. One, the PGA championship the year before at in St. Louis at Bell Reeve, I was leading 
going into Saturday, I was leading. I was playing with BK, and BK ended up taking the lead, and I was in the second-to-last group with Tiger on Sunday. Tiger shoots 64 or whatever, his lowest round ever in a Sunday in a major. And I, I got so caught up. It was the first time I played with him on Sunday in a major. Obviously, it was the atmosphere, the energy was absurd. But in the first seven holes, I was so caught up in what he was doing. And I did make a birdie. I bur- finally birdied eight. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm not, here. I'm not a fan. I'm out here trying to fucking win. And so I was so – sorry, I don't know if I can cuss. I don't know if that was bad or not. You can't. Sorry. That's fine. Um, I was so caught up in what he was doing. I got out of what I've done my whole life. And I learned so much for that day. And then you fast forward – to Maui of 2019, I was leading. I had a three-shot lead going into Sunday. I was, I was paired with Roy, three shots over him. I was five shots over Xander. Xander bogeys the first hole. I have a six-shot lead over him. I shoot five under without a bogey on Sunday, and I lost. Xander ended up shooting 11 under to beat me, but I birdied 11 to go up by three or four, whatever it was, and I was playing phenomenal. I had complete control of my game, and I'm like, I'm teeing off on 12, and I'm like, this thing's over with. I'm it's, I got this. And he ends up holding out on 12 and he eagles whatever hole and whatever he does. And he clips me by one. And I'm like, I, I took a, a big second for me to, re, to reflect on that. And I'm like, I got out of my element on Sunday of a major championship playing with Tiger. I got ahead of myself playing, with, playing you know, a tournament that I thought I had won and probably should have won. I got ahead of myself. There, I was so into myself at Pebble Beach that year in 2019, nothing, nothing bothered me. When things hit, when something happened, I was still, Brooks got off to an unbelievable start. BK did on Sunday, birdied for the first six or whatever it was. I was in control of myself because I'm like, here's the deal. I have a four shot lead over Brooks. If I shoot two under, he has to shoot six under on Sunday at Pebble Beach. That's going to be very hard for him to do. Not to mention, I have, I have par fives ahead of me. I had six and 18. So even when I was on 17, I'm sitting there like, if he makes eagle, I still have a chance. I can get home in two easily on 18. I was just within myself so much that week. Um, and, you know, I, <laughs> I'd like to find out what happened that week and why I was into myself that much and how everything, I blocked everything out. But that is the difference. And you look at guys that are great, the Tigers and the DJs and whoever it is down the road, Rory. They just find ways to do that. Look at what Max Holm was doing right now. They find ways on Sunday to block every, block out all the other noise. Um, and I was able to do that on the biggest stage. And that's something that I need to continue to enforce in my head that it's in there. Um, we just got to get out of our way right now and do it. So the obvious question for everyone listening and, and when I hear players saying that is, how do you not get in that headspace more often? Do you feel like sometimes you can you can want it too bad, right? There's, I remember I took a, a, a course in college. It was an Eastern philosophy course. And there was a book on archery, Zen and the art of archery. And the, the, the whole point of the book was don't aim at the target and you'll hit it every time. But if you aim at the target, you're not going to hit it. How, how, do you, how do you get, because the other thing is, I mean, I watch you guys play practice rounds. I watch you guys play at home. 
you guys will have no caddies, rangefinders, shirt untucked, music going, maybe a little booze going, and you guys will shoot 61, 62, 60. You guys will shoot 29 on a nine and not even play the back nine because you're in this kind of relaxed headspace. And then you get on tour and you've got your caddy. Do you feel sometimes that it's almost like when you're on tour and you are in tournaments and you're in the hunt, it's it's hard not to become a character of what you think you're supposed to be to win these things as opposed to just figuring out, okay, what works for me? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. And I think the big deal with that is surrounding yourself with the right people. If you have the right people around you and one, you have the goals, you know what you're trying to work towards. Obviously that blocks out the big picture, right? That we all want the result, right? But it's the journey and the process to get to that result. So when you start thinking about that result and you're on Sunday and you're thinking about, oh, if I win, this is what's going to happen. This is going to happen. You're going to get tight and you're going to have no chance. If you have the right people around you that can get you back into the moment. Butchie, my caddy, obviously he's been out there a long time. He won the Masters with Weirzy. I'm sitting there. He's the most conservative caddy on the world. You, you've been around. I give him a hard time all the time. I'm like, the guy wants me to hit seven iron off the tee box and I want to hit driver. Like he just wants me. He wants to play to my strengths. He wants me to play to my iron game. I want to send it. So we've been together a long time. On Sunday there, I had a one-shot lead on Brooks on 14. I'm in the middle of the fairway. I just watched Rosie lay up. And it's the first time that we've been together, and he's like, send three wood. And I'm like, wow. I'm like are you sure? Because I'm like, I, I think I should lay up here. You know, he's like, I just saw Rosie lay up. He's like, G-Dub, I've seen this whole location. You can't get it close with a wedge. Hit it three wood over the green. We'll get it up and down. He goes, send it. I mean, there's out-of-bounds right. If I hit out-of-bounds, I'm probably going to lose the golf tournament. Left is dead. Um, but that, that confidence that he gave me when he said, send it, I'm like, you got it. And I send three wood. It was the best swing I've ever made. Obviously make birdie and get up and down on 17 people talk about the chip shot. And you know, there was a lot going in. I could have been super nervous, whatever it was. When I hit the tee shot on 17, I hit it over the right side of the green. I walk over the bag and I'm obviously, I'm like, Oh crap, what I just do. And Butchie looks at me, he's like, you're going to chip that. You're going to get it up and down. And there was never a thought. I walked 220 yards to get to the green. When I got up there, I, it was already in my head. That's what I was doing. And I give him credit for that because it was a big moment. He was able to calm me down completely. And that's all I was thinking about was, okay, I'm going to get this up and down. And there was never like, should I put it? Should I do this? He set that tone for me. And I think that's where experience comes in. I'm a guy that likes just to be told what to do. So that's why him and I work so well together. I think just give me the club and tell me what to do and let me do it. Don't let me do the thinking. If I'm doing the thinking, we're going to be in a, a world of hurt. Um, so that's a huge part, having the right people around you, whether that's a caddy, whether that's your coach, you know, whatever it is, um, or whoever it is, psychologist, it's to have the right people, making sure they're all communicating because that can get you out of your own head. We all get in our own head too much. Um, and, you know, a lot of a lot of the pain and stuff we – we do, and the, the bad play is self-inflicted. Um, and so it's nice to have those people around you and getting them all on the same page, communicating together and making sure we're working towards a goal um, and sticking to that process is a huge part of it. Let's take a moment to thank For Wellness for supporting the show. You guys hear me talk about them every week. And that, the reason I do that is because I drink their coffee every week. I know lots of people are focusing on health and wellness as we start the new year, but what I love most about their coffee is that there isn't anything artificial in it. No artificial ingredients, sweeteners, creamers, and all the junk that isn't good for you. It's only the good stuff, 
giving you more energy without typical crashes you get when a lot of your coffee and if you have a lot of sugar in your coffee. Give it a try and use the special code CH3. That code will get you 20% off your order plus free shipping and a free starter kit worth $30 when you visit forwellness.com slash podcast. Again, that's the code CH3 at forwellness.com slash podcast. One of my favorite things after someone wins a major championship is the following week, if you're lucky enough to be there to see that kind of procession, right, to where you walk on the range and people come up to you and, and congratulate you. I mean, obviously, that must be an amazing feeling. But GW, what is the feeling like for you when you when you win your first major and then for the rest of that year, I mean, everybody looks at you differently. Um, you, you know that you are part of a group, part of a club that everybody wants to be in. Um, but internally, what does that feel like for you when you're walking around as, as a major champ? Do you, do you feel different? I don't. Uh, well, the next morning it hurt. I can tell you my head hurt. I didn't feel very good after the next morning. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in the tap room Sunday night at Pebble. Um, I don't know if I feel different as much as I ha- There's a lot more attention. Um, I, I flew straight to New York the next day and did a media tour, and that was that was more attention than I've ever had in my life. Um, but, yeah, I. it's funny. You know, I haven't played well the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm playing last week in San Diego, and it's – it's the people that I don't know, I would say. You know, I'm walking down and I hear people say, oh, that guy won the U.S. Open. That guy won the U.S. Open. Like, people aren't saying, oh, that guy won Phoenix in 2018. You know, it's, it is different. It is a different stage. It is a different level. I need to get out of my own way again and, and get back to realizing that, that I have that inside of me. And I, that's never going to leave. Nobody can ever take that away from me. No matter what, the biggest stage in golf, I was able to, to be successful against the best players in the world. And at the time, it was the hottest player in the world, BK was on a tear. He'd won four of the last, I don't know how many majors, eight majors, nine majors, whatever it was. The guy was playing unfreaking believable And um, I was able to step up and play my best golf in the moment when I needed to. So it's able to block out now those expectations. People always are going to bring expectations. When you play well, there's a lot of people around you. I can guarantee you now when, when you haven't played well, people start to drift away from you. So I had to learn to deal with all that a lot more attention you know, the thing that hurt me the most CH after that was COVID because I I obviously have Mark Steinberg in my corner who's been around more than five major championships than ever and been in that moment. When COVID happened and I like my team around me, uh, Phil couldn't travel. You know, Steiny didn't travel. They wouldn't let agents out. I didn't have my team around me and I struggled ma- massively because I had more attention. I had more media. I had more crap going on and I was by myself. And that and then I got hurt, and then it's 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 been a, a long process to get back where I feel like now I've kind of flipped that corner, and now I'm working back. You know, for a while, I was trying to hang on. I was just trying to hang there. Now it's a process. Okay, now we've sat down. Now my team's back around me. Everyone's traveling again. I, I go see your dad a lot, but I just saw him last week, and I'm going back this weekend. Now I got my people around me, and I'm starting to get those good vibes again. I'm starting to realize when things are going off, what's going on. Um, so I'm excited about what the future holds. but. I, that, I really struggled after that. Like you said, there's a lot more that comes with it. People, you walk on the range, you do feel a little different, but it's the expectations and the people and everything to learn to say no. Well, I was out there by myself with COVID. Obviously, COVID was horrible for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, it was an awful deal, the pandemic. 
it hurt me from a golf standpoint drastically as well. And, um, you know, luckily now we're starting to get past all that and my team can get back around me and um, I can get back to doing what I love to do the most. We're coming up to waste management. You won there in 2018. I mean, it's a freak show. Um, what's it like to win there? I mean, it seems to get bigger every single year. Um, coming from the, obviously coming from the basketball background, I mean, you must love all of the fans and the craziness and stuff like. But what's it like to to win there and and go through all of that with all of those people? It's an absolute shit show and. You throw in this year, the Super Bowl's there this this year, oh and you got Kansas City there. So I'll have a million, a million people out watching, which will be great. But for me, it's you know I've given away a hundred tickets there before. It's it's one of those deals where everyone in Kansas, where I'm from, wants to get out of the cold. They're trying to find a week to do it. Why not come to Arizona? It's a party, right? There's three hundred thousand people there, and only ten thousand of them are watching golf. And it is an absolute. There's no lack of a better word. It's a shit show. It is unbelievable. Sixteen. If you take the stands out, I've played there with no stands. It's a very simple golf hole. Now, all of a sudden, you put 30,000 people in there, and you can't feel the wind because of the, of the grandstands and everything. And now, all of a sudden, your adrenaline, I feel like I could hit a nine iron 200 yards. Now, it becomes a little more difficult. But there's just nothing like it. We don't get that kind of energy. We'll have more fans on a Wednesday than at that tournament than we will all week at some weeks. Um, but you can hear the roars on 16 from the first tee box. You know, you, you can hear the noise and the atmosphere. It's so good. Um, the energies, we just don't have anything like it. So uh, I'm super excited for next week. Obviously, I've had success there being able to win. They gave me my first exemption in 2011 into a tournament. So um, it, it's exciting. I'm looking forward, always looking forward to going back to that one. And one of the great memories of, of that tournament, I think one of the great, you know, memories in, in golf Amy Bakerset, 2019. Yeah. Um, she's a college golfer. She's got Down syndrome. What I don't think a lot of people that watch that realize is when when you're told as a player that you're going to do that, you get no background, right? You're you're playing. They the the tour tells you, hey, you're going to meet this person. She's going to play this hole. I mean, she stood up. You're playing with Cooch. It was on 16. I mean, you if you had put that as in as a script in hollywood somebody would go i mean no that's never going to happen she stands up she makes a good swing you can see you and cooch are like okay and then the bunker shot this this girl hits is unbelievable there's just you put her on another hole or put anyone on another hole and it happens and they make par you're like great that's that was really cool you put them on 16 on 16 on Tuesday afternoon when it's late in the day. We were playing late that day. So guy, everyone in there had been drinking in the stadium. It, I was just hoping she hit, got it off the tee, right? And she hit, makes a great swing. If it was online, it was just two yards to the right. If it's two yards left, it's in the middle of the green. It goes in the bunker, and I wanted to get it out. I, I had no expectation of her hitting it. When, I hit, when, when you're on that hole, the one thing you don't want to do is chip. Like, you want to hit it on the green and give yourself a chance to make putt. They... <laughs> She's got an uphill bunker shot. The bunkers are a little fluffy there anyway. It's an uphill bunker shot. She's like, oh, I got this. I got this. I'm like, okay, here we go. I don't want this shot. And she hits a perfect bunker shot to 10 feet. And I'm, I've never wanted to wheel a golf ball in the hole so bad. I mean, I, and this thing went in dead center. And I got a lot of cool texts and a lot of stuff about that. But afterwards, Phil Kenyon, we talk about coaching, he sends me a screenshot everybody was you know talking about the video he sends me a screenshot of her putter released at impact and said this is what i want you to do like 
her stroke is her, everything was so good, but it was so funny because I'm like, all right, yeah, I I should have I got so caught for the moment. I should have been watching her putt because it, her putting stroke was perfect. So it was amazing. Her energy, I've been able to stay in contact with her and talk to her. Her attitude, her energy in a world where there's a lot of stupid crap going around back and forth between a lot of things. The world needs a lot more of Amy in it. And uh, she's been a, a breath of fresh air for me. She she's definitely been a positive influence in my life. You know, you, you go into those experiences and you try to have a positive impact on the people that you're working with. And I think it was reversed. She's had a positive impact on millions of people around the world. Um, I still get a lot of people coming up to me and saying, I got this, I got this. Um, and that's because of her. So that's pretty special. I think it. I think the clip got almost almost fifty million views. I mean, and and the cool thing is is as I know that you guys have formed this relationship, um, but it is. I mean, it, it, sometimes in life it's like the stars line up and and you know everything just happens and i think the great thing about watching that clip when you go back and watch it is is her reaction but then you watch you and cooch's reaction which was even better um it was amazing Um, it was like we won a golf tournament it really was um the it was like we made a putt on 18 to win a golf tournament just the excitement and energy was was unbelievable I want you to share um, something. I think one of the reasons, I think you played a big part in, in helping DJ win um, that major in, in during COVID and the Masters. Um, I think you were a big catalyst for that run that he went on. And the reason I say that is you guys played a lot of, we played a lot of practice rounds that that, that year. Um, there wasn't any fans. Um, there was no energy out there. And, and you and DJ played a lot. And I think one of the things that I think really helped him that year was the chipping game that that you guys played uh something that you and your caddy butchie came up with um share with everybody listening um what it is and 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 i think it is a fantastic game for everyone listening if you're trying to get better chipping to play yeah you know i've played i've played more practice rounds with dj probably than anyone outside of maybe cooch on tour since i've been out here in 15 years dj and i go way back to college and our amateur days and traveling around and acting like idiots Uh, i love the guy to death the chipping game started, Cooch and I were playing this game. Cooch obviously has one of the best short games on tour. So for me, it's a huge thing for me to go and try to learn from him. And, and you know, DJ and Cooch were partners a lot in the President's Cup and Ryder Cup team. They've been partners a lot. So DJ comes and we're, we're all playing this game where the caddies put pins that are typically going to be on that hole um, throughout the week. And you get three balls. And... You, it's best two out of three wins. But if you win all three chips on the hole, you sweep. And so it doubles doubles what you're paying. So <laughs> it's tough because they just throw the ball. So you're getting good lies, you're getting bad lies, but it's kind of more game-like. Where we're playing these golf courses. I've been out here 15 years. We're playing the same golf courses over and over and over again. But you start making these things interesting. starts making the practice rounds more enjoyable. John Rahm joins us one thing. John Rahm is always asking to join. Like you got guys getting in because it's competitive and it's, you're learning, you're watching how other guys hit certain shots. You can say what you want about DJ. He's one of the most sport or golf knowledgeable people I've been around. I, I've been partners with him in President's Cup. His golf IQ is is a joke when it comes to seeing things that not everyone sees. And so watching him hit different shots with different clubs and what he can see, and you know, um, it's it's fascinating. So I think it's helped both of us, you know. Um that week at Augusta is obviously a great week to chip and learn where you need to be and where you can't be. You can hit golf shots all you want around that place. There's sometimes it's better chipping than it is putting on certain holes. So being able to play that game, um, you know, 
now I got to find Cooch. DJ's DJ's gone on to live, but I can still work with him in a major. I look forward to doing it at Augusta. Um, but it, it's helped both of us. It, it definitely has. And I, I, like I said, more than anything, it makes a practice round that goes by. Sometimes you can be out there forever and make the day drag on. It makes it more enjoyable. Because the last thing I want to do, even if you're playing for five bucks, whatever it is, I just don't want to lose to him, you know? And and he doesn't want to lose either. The last thing you want to do is hand out cash on that last hole. So it makes the, the short game practice so much more beneficial. And uh, it, I think it definitely helps you out throughout the week. Lastly, Gary, you mentioned, we mentioned at the beginning of the pod, um, made the move to go over to Cobra uh, from an equipment standpoint. But you've been with Puma for a while now. Um, you wear the Volition clothing, the the partnership they do with the Folds of Honor and Major Dan Rooney. Um, that, that that I know that's something that's really really important to you. Yeah, it is. You know, my my grandpa was in the military. My wife's grandpa was in the military. Rooney's had an, a massive impact in my life. I met him. He played golf at KU. I met him when I was at KU. Uh, he married my wife and I. He got me involved in uh, Folds of Honor in two thousand nine. The Volition thing started in 2018, and it was just – I had just split with Under Armour. It was a natural fit to slide right into that. And then Puma has carried that on. You know, credit to Puma for for believing in that project as well. And it continues to grow. The stuff's amazing. We're giving back to the military while we're supporting stuff, and we're, we're bringing awareness. I see it more and more everywhere I go now. Um, it's it's really special, and it's nice – Not you talk about partnering with brands. It's nice to partner with brands that have the same beliefs that you do. And Puma and Cobra love to give back. They love to give back to the military. That's been a big part of my life and my family's life. Um, and so it's, it's special to partner with them and be able to do that together. Well, I'm excited for 2023. Um, hopefully we'll get to see you a little bit more. And um, hey, you, you, you got to start. You got to play good this year. Otherwise, you know, my old man's, he, he, Butchie's going to be on you. So, I mean, <laughs> I I'll be calling you for advice. I'll be calling you for advice. The one thing everybody says, Hey, I want to work with your dad. I said, no, that's great. But if you, <laughs> if, if you don't perform, be prepared. Hey, um, great talking to you, G-Dub and uh, play well in the next couple of weeks, pal. You're the best. I'll see you soon, CH. So that was Gary Woodland. And hopefully um, you've got, a little bit more to go on with Gary Woodland. Like I said in the beginning, I think G-Dub is one of those guys that everybody just sees as a long hitter, a bomber. Um, but I've had the, the, the privilege and, and the pleasure to work with him. Um, my dad works with him. There's a lot more to him and there's a lot more to his game uh, than meets the eye. So um, I think this is a big year for Gary. Um, I think it's a year that he wants... I don't think I've ever seen him won it this badly. Uh, you wouldn't think a guy that's won six times and has a major and under his belt um, would have that fight, but but he definitely does. So thanks to G-Dub for coming on. Um, just wanted to touch on last week, um, Rory McIlroy wins yet another tournament. I mean, this guy, uh, he is, the guy is just so good. Um, the way he plays golf, um, it's just so much fun to watch. The game is a better place for having Roy McIlroy in it, especially when he's firing all cylinders. Um, but with all this this talk, and, and Roy's been a big part of that with the Live, with the PGA Tour, um, you can see that um, last week, Patrick Reed in the mix, um, all the drama surrounding that. Um, the one, to me, the one positive thing to come out of all of this um, craziness is the golf that we're, we're seeing. And I think if we could get this more often, um, 
if there is a way, um, given the current state of things, given the, the way things are uh, between the PGA Tour and Liv, I think you're seeing that if, if the players get together, you're going to see drama. You're going to see rivalries. Um, I think we've always in golf tried to manufacture rivalries, right? We wanted a Phil Tiger rivalry. We wanted um, a rival to Tiger Woods. We, It's almost like it's fake and contrived. And I think a lot of people think it's bad for the game, whatever side of that you're on. Um, I think we have an opportunity now to actually see some real rivalries happen. Um, there's I mean, you can feel it. There's animosity out there between some of the guys on the PGA Tour and, and what's happened with Liv. And, and, and I think Rory's been at the, at the front of that. Um, I think he, he feels like he is um, kind of the spokesperson for the PGA Tour. Um, and he talked about that in his interview after it. He said he had to kind of block out who he was um, you know, playing the tournament against, who, was, who he's fighting to win that golf tournament against. And that's 100% a comment pointed at Patrick Reed, who plays on Liv now. So um, I think if there is a positive out of that, if, if there is a way to get um, all of these players in the same space, I think the fan is going to see some unbelievable golf and um, I'm here for it. Um, I think it's going to make the majors really, really exciting with the, the guys from live that are going to get into the majors. Um, I think you're going to see, um, I think you're going to see some fireworks um, and I, I I think we're going to see it on the golf course too. I think we're going to see guys wanting to win in ways um, that they never have. Trust me. I mean, I spend a lot of time with guys that play on live. Um, the guys that are going to play in the majors, they want to win these majors. They want to prove something. Um, and the guys that aren't in the majors on live all want the guys that are going to be playing these tournaments to win. Um, and you've got all the guys on the PJ tour that are going to want to go up against the live guys. So, um, anybody, it's just my opinion, but it's my podcast so I can say what I want. I think anybody that thinks that this is bad for golf, I just don't agree. I think we're going to see more competition. I think we're going to see some really legit real rivalries. And like I said, I am here for it. Uh, so once again, big, big thank you and shout out to Cobra Puma golf. Um, I'm lucky to have them as partners and um, glad that they are supporting the podcast. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.